Hey, Pop DNA fans, Rhonda here. You've probably heard us talk about our Patreon before, but we wanted to let all of you lovely listeners know that we have released our film commentary track, or Aaron and Rhonda Talk Over Movies, as we like to call it, for the month of December on our Patreon page for free. That's right, you do not need to be a Patreon subscriber to listen to our insightful and brilliant commentary for the 2019 Netflix original film, The Night Before Christmas, starring Vanessa Hudgens. It is available to everyone who visits our Patreon page, and that is at patreon.com slash popdna. And this is our holiday gift to you, just to say thank you for listening and supporting our show. We really hope that you enjoy listening as much as we love making this show, because that's really why we do what we do. And you know, maybe if you listen to that commentary and you like what you hear, you might consider becoming a Patreon member so you can listen to all our other film commentaries, plus access tons of other content every month. And since we are planning even more monthly content for 2020, right now would be the perfect time to join us. Again, that's patreon.com slash popdna. The commentary is available right now for free, and we would love to share it with you. So from Aaron and me, thank you so much for listening and happy holidays from Pop DNA. Hello, and welcome to Pop DNA, the podcast that explores the historical and literary roots of your favorite works of pop culture. I'm Erin. And I'm Rhonda. And this um, time around, Rhonda, what are we talking about? Um, you don't know? I don't. My, my notes might be kind of weird okay. because I think they're just a hodgepodge. Yeah. What Do they are- have like 18 question marks in a row? Or is yeah. it like a super important legal document that you have folded up? And not told anyone in your family about and then hidden in a Christmas ornament. Well, we're reading this out of a document that we placed out of an acorn. Yes. So that's important to that's know. That's where I keep all my documents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are, of course, talking about the cinematic universe of A Christmas, a Christmas Prince. Prince. I feel like this is a long time coming. I, d- I do too. I, I think I... people were demanding this. From us. I think we were all digesting it. I think so. For a really long time. We were waiting for the trilogy to be complete as well. And we were thinking a lot about like Converse shoes. Mm -hmm. Pandora bracelets. (laughs) Pandora bracelets. Um, Just all sorts of, you know, very on brand like Christmassy things. But for a very specific family. Yes. For like your a royal aunt. family, yeah, mm-hmm. of a tiny European country that has only that heard of Christmas, snowy all the time, all the time. 
So should we uh, talk about give a little like background on the on the movie a little bit? Yeah, I yeah th- yeah yeah. I mean, just you know, in case you don't know, in case I mean, how could you? How could not you not? Know? Like, it's embarrassing if you don't. But, I'm embarrassed for you. Yeah, but if you you know if you haven't logged into your account recently. Um, a Christmas Prince, the trilogy was produced by Netflix and stars Rose McIver as Amber, my favorite Ben Lamb as Prince Richard, um, Alice Kriege as Queen Helena, and Honor Neefsey as Princess Emily, who is my unironic favorite. And um, then the third movie introduces Queen Ming, played by Momo Young, and King Tai, played by Kevin Shen. Which we'll talk about that Which later. Which we'll talk a lot. <laughs> um, supporting characters are numerous in this movie. Yeah. But oh my goodness. some important players are Tahir- Tahira Sharif as, as Melissa. Yeah. Emma Louise Saunders as Lady Sophia, who's my unironic favorite. Yeah. She's pretty great. Um, and then you also probably know that um, A Christmas Prince um, came out in 2017 with A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding in 2018, and then A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby, you know, like, moments ago. Yeah, like a week ago. Yeah, which we were all talking about for yeah. a really long time. The um, whole world was, really. And yeah, it's um, it's important to note, I think, that all three have the same writing staff. Um, they're all based on characters by Karen Schuler, and they're written by Nate Atkins and Karen Schuler. Um, but they switched um, directors. Yeah, it was really controversial, actually. Yeah. I don't know if you guys were following the whole drama about Solo, a Star Wars story, uh-huh. when it switched directors to Ron Howard. This was like that times a million. This was a really big deal. It was a huge deal. The first movie is directed by Alex Zam, who is no longer allowed to celebrate the holidays. Um, since he was sacked. Mm-hmm. And then the following two films are directed by John Schultz. And then Jim took New Year's away from Stanley. It's been so, it's been a time. It's been a time with this Christmas Prince. But this Christmas Prince. Prince. <laughs> um, this is gonna be fun, you guys. Hey. So uh, it hasn't been I feel like something's really weighing on you. It hasn't been very long since we... I mean, it's really only been two years since we were introduced to this universe. But what a formative two years, like, what in my life. exceptional two years. Absolutely. Um, do you remember when you first watched it, Erin? I, I remember, I think, our friend group, you mm-hmm. and I talked a lot about it you and 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 then then other like this came at a time i think when we needed a little christmas right this very minute right this very minute and i there is that um my my favorite article from 2017 (laughs) where um which we posted on our instagram where there were a collection of 53 people that watched a christmas prince Every single night for two weeks after yes. it came out. Um, and and there was concern. There was concern that there were not. felt concern. Yeah, like. From Netflix. Can we get you more of these sooner? But of course yeah. they can't because the holiday is only once right. a year. 
Um, I think that this kind of marks when Netflix started to do more and more and more of their campy, mm-hmm. feel good mm-hmm. um, nonsense. Yeah. What What was your first? Well, I remember watching the first, like, I know I watched the first movie, like, when it, you know. Yeah. Pretty soon after it first came out. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's on Netflix, and if you already are paying for Netflix, then it's basically like it's free. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I, it wasn't very memorable. Is what I'm trying to get at. Um, yeah. But uh, I think the first memorable, meaningful experience for me with A Christmas Prince was after um, after Harry and Meghan's wedding. Yes. There was that promo spot for A Christmas Prince 2, The Royal Wedding. Oh, my goodness. In which we got an entirely new scene that is not in any of the movies. It's only in this promo spot. Oh. Where Amber is watching Harry and Meghan's wedding on TV. Oh. Yeah. And she's talking with like the housekeeper lady. What's her name again? We should really know her name. Yeah. Um, and she's like, are people going to be like watching our wedding? on tv Uh uh-huh and i was like oh my gosh this is harry and megan this is harry and megan they're harry and megan yeah and except megan wasn't allowed to keep her blog she wasn't no sad her blog online no um (laughs) um but you know i think another significant moment in a Christmas Prince news uh-huh. is a moment that we shared. Okay. When the third movie was announced. Uh-huh. Do you remember this? <laughs> I don't think I do. Um, I'm pretty sure it's probably saved in our text messages. Okay. I, I sent you like the first <gasps> promotion. I do remember image this. Yeah. That was released yeah. for like. Uh, a Christmas Prince 3, The Royal Baby, and it was like a fake ultrasound. Yeah, yeah. And I sent it to you, and you were like, do you think the baby will have its own blog? <laughs> and I was like, yes, and it will be trending. <laughs> and then I went on to say, uh-huh, I was just going on Instagram to make sure I was following Gal Gadot. And Aww. then my life changed. <laughs> this is a transformative. It's not at all weird that I have memorized this exchange word. For no, word, I love it. Anyway. That's like, I also remember the time when I first began to follow Ben Lamb on Instagram. <laughs> it's all nature shots and cats. And it's my favorite thing. <laughs> Go on to Instagram right now and follow Ben Lamb. Um, I love it. This song has everything. Lambs. Ben. Royal babies. Cats. All right. Well. So let's, I mean. Should we actually talk about what we plan to talk about now? 
Yeah. Do people expect that? They expect now a us? high level <laughs> of just documentation of research. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I think this is such a tumultuous piece. It's so rich. Yeah. In yeah. detail. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, it's a very dense text. Absolutely. Um, Nothing on the screen is an accident. No, no. It's all very, very carefully planned. Meticulous. Yes. Um, great attention to detail. Um, I'd also Continuity. just like to note that at this moment um, on <laughs> my TV is uh, the the masterpiece uh, Christina Milian starring <gasps> Falling yeah. in Love. And that's uh, in with two N's. Two N's. Yeah. You know, Netflix movies they're are really great at puns in the titles. They're they're great. I I just have to, you know. Yeah. The night before Christmas. Come on. With a K, like, come on. Come on. And like, they, recognize, guys. And this they all. Solid. So solid. They all bring back my favorite celebrities from the 2000s. Yes. Vanessa Hudgens. Christina, Christina Milian, Milian. The girl from Snow Day. The girl from Snow Day. Favorite, like, iconic. Just. And this guy. And that guy. Uh, okay, so, so. You guys can't see what we're seeing, so this is probably really boring for you. So, let's talk about. <laughs> so, what do you have for us today, Rhonda? Oh, my. Well, let me tell well. you. So. Let's just dive in here. Dive right in. So I, yeah, yeah. So I mentioned, uh, I, I had like a reason for mentioning like the whole like connection to Harry and Meghan. Love it. And we just got sidetracked, but. Sorry, that's so, me. <laughs> it was both of us, let's be honest. <laughs> so uh, the whole Harry and Meghan story actually was partly an inspiration for these movies. Uh huh. So yeah. So it that it wasn't you know, like, just because I love talking about Harry and Meghan. But who doesn't? Right. But um, <laughs> but the uh, screenwriter, um, Shaler. What's her or Schuler? What's her first name? Karen. Of course, it's Karen. Of course, it's Karen. So, <laughs> uh, right. So, uh, Et interviewed Karen. Uh huh. About what her inspiration for the movie was. Yeah. So she was a journalist for a long time, and she was also the oh. host of uh, this like travel, uh, like travel news TV show in the UK for a long time. And uh, so she was visiting uh, the Isle of Angles- Anglesey. In okay. Wales. Oh, pretty. Angles. Angles. Okay. So. <laughs> Los Angeles. She was in Los Angeles. Yes, in Wales. In Wales. Yeah. Yeah. So she's. <laughs> so she was there as a journalist, and William and Kate happened to be there at the time because uh-huh. they lived there at the time. Uh-huh. And she was producing this travel segment that was about the town. Yeah. But they also lived there. Yeah. But yeah. But she um so she, when she would like talk to the locals um to try to like you know get a sense of like what having William and Kate living in that town was like 
like they nobody was like really willing to talk about you know talk about it and like give them give insight info uh-huh. um, like they were very protective of William and Kate and also of Harry because he spent a lot of time there with them right right um, and he could and you know Prince Harry if you know his does yeah. not have he has well we'll say he has a checkered past a little bit um, yeah, yeah but they were very like closed-mouthed and very protective of all of the royals yeah um so this is a quote from her she's she uh says they go you have no idea what harry's been through you have no idea the wonderful things he does for charity you have no idea what his real story is you guys blow it up and so she goes on to say as a former investigative reporter the comments struck a chord um with uh karen (laughs) Um, so she reveals, um, oh, so they, this like revealed like a personal distaste for being asked to look for the negative story. Oh. So instead she started producing positive stories, except that then, you know, her, her news outlets weren't happy with that. Yeah. And ultimately that experience inspired A Christmas Prince, which was... She says, inspired by trying to get scoops when I was an investigative reporter and they were always sending me to get the worst story. Oh, I really like Karen. I respect her. (laughs) Which is what Amber. Yeah. She wants to write fluff pieces on her blog online. Amber's blog? (laughs) Her blog online. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's her blog online. It's not a blog. It's It's, a blog online. It's her blog online. Um, (laughs) Which her dad doesn't understand. Frankly, neither do I. Right. (laughs) Even though it's trending. Even though. So. (laughs) Okay. So. um, And then in, obviously, in um, The Christmas Prince 2, The Royal Wedding, Mm -hmm. she was inspired by Harry and Meghan's story. Mm -hmm. Um, So this kind of brings up an interesting um parallel to like a lot of uh stories of like a a commoner <laughs> it's not like we're commoners who marry royals right who marry royal people which yeah. is we seem to be fascinated by these stories yeah so i mean like megan markle's you know like a famous actress so right. i don't know if we could really even technically call her a commoner right um suits you guys suits yeah <laughs> she was on suits so she's suits. basically julia roberts um <laughs> but then we also have kate and william yeah and kate is also technically a commoner even though her family's super rich yeah um and both of these real life, you know, romances between commoners and royals, I think are, obviously they're both kind of uh, inspirations for A Christmas Prince, but they're also kind of representative, I think, of this fascination that we have with these kind of stories. Absolutely. Kind of romances. Um, even going back to, well, I mean, even going back to like Cinderella, you know? Like right, right. Um, but... Another uh, real life royal who married a commoner and it didn't turn out so well for them is actually um, William and Harry's, let's see, who would he be to them? He'd be like their 
great uncle or their great 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 uncle okay well he's their dad's uncle so i don't know what that anyway (laughs) right their dad's no their dad's great uncle anyway that doesn't matter so (laughs) well it's elizabeth the the second's uncle okay okay i don't know if it matters how they're related but anyway (laughs) edward uh king edward the eighth yeah um or he was actually known as david to his family but he was officially edward the eighth um he um ended up abdicating the crown yeah. because he wanted to marry Wallace Simpson, who oh. was a woman who was divorced okay. and also a commoner. But uh-huh. but it was really that she was divorced that they were like, no, the king can't marry a woman who has been divorced. Right. Which is ironic uh-huh. because the Church of England was the one who was saying like, no, the king can't marry a divorced woman. Uh-huh. But the Church of England was started when Henry VIII wanted to get divorced. So. so okay. Okay. But, <laughs> okay. Right. And so, you know, like it, like he, you know, steps down from, from the throne and that was a huge deal. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've seen the King's speech, but yeah. that's, they, they, I think they kind of tell that story in there. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, like it was such like a scandal at the time. Yeah. And it was seen as like, he was kind of like letting down the, the entire Royal family and the right. entire, the entire, you know, British nation. Yeah. Um, by not fulfilling like his divine right as, yeah yeah it's just interesting that in you know i mean when when was that that was like uh i think that was like in the 30s yeah Uh somewhere around there because it's right before world war ii yeah and to see like how much has changed in that like 70 years since then that now both princes even like the heir apparent, Prince William, he's married to a commoner. And granted, she hasn't been divorced. But Meghan Markle has been divorced. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, just really, I just found it really interesting how much the, not just society in general, but, like, the attitude of royals has changed. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, like... Edward VIII and Wallace Simpson were both Nazi sympathizers, so I don't feel too bad for them. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. <laughs> but it's still just a really, a really interesting story. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating that that's not long ago at all, and it's right. changed so much. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but another really interesting story, Yeah. Um, which is really only what like 20 years or so after uh wallace simpson and edward yeah um is actually empress michiko of japan okay so she um i think she's still alive wow yeah yeah i think she's still alive um but she is now like what do they call it the empress they call it something else when, like, her once her husband has died, and so she's no longer like the reigning empress. She's kind of like the queen mother now, I think, okay. of Japan. Okay. Um, but she is actually a commoner. Yeah. Um, she married the crown prince and became crown princess in 1959, and she was the first commoner of uh, 
to to marry into the Japanese uh, imperial family. Yeah. Um. So they they met in August of 1957. Okay. At a tennis match, which I think Aww, is adorable. So romantic. <laughs> Don't they cute. have like that term in tennis is like love fifty or something? Maybe. When, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, ask Kirsten Dunst. I will. Um, so <laughs> she's my bestie. We talk every day. I love her. Um, I do too. Um, <laughs> so there's uh, there's this um, governmental body, I suppose, in Japan called the Imperial Household Cou- Council. Okay. So they had to formally approve the Crown Prince's engagement. Sure, sure. Um, which happened in 1958. And so the media in Japan at this time, like this was like... It, it was like a, a very different, I think, um, attitude toward this than in Britain 20 years earlier with everything that happened there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Because the media in Japan kind of presented this as like a real life fairy tale and like. Okay. Right. And yeah. like something that like the people were really like. You know, this is like a romantic story and the people loved this. The way um, that we do now. Right. These, yeah. Uh-huh. And that's really, yeah, maybe that's like kind of when that attitude yeah. started to change. Um, and so, yeah, so the official engagement ceremony was in January of 1959 and then they were married later that year. Um, and so, um so again, even though she is technically a commoner, yeah. she came from a very wealthy family. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh but she so most people who like were familiar with the Japanese monarchy, they had assumed that since she was a commoner that they wouldn't approve her yeah her engagement with the prince sure um and they and oh and this is another thing i didn't say before but this was the first time that a crown prince had actually chosen his own wife that it had arranged sure um that's huge yeah totally um so then um a lot of traditionalists actually did oppose this okay as you would expect Uh but i think in general the the idea was that you know this is like this is like, you know, modern. Why does it keep doing this? It's like, a, it's like a way, you know, it's like progress and it's like modernization. Of course. And of moving course. Japan into the new, mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, it was mid-century at this point, but like moving into right. the future. Um, so there was a writer in Japan at the time, Yukio Mishima. He was, a uh, he came from that more traditionalist yeah. position who was like against, um, modernization basically okay but he said at the time that the imperial system becomes tabloid-esque in its move toward democratization it's all wrong the idea of the imperial family losing its dignity by connecting with the people wow yeah which i think is fascinating that there's like this idea of like the royal family and you know kind of royal people in general as being like above everyone else like right. you can't mix no like it you know it right it like you know yeah it taints 
them somehow to like right. mingle with commoners, <laughs> right? I'm fascinated by tabloid-esque. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that even like back then they were like, oh, it's trashy to like care what right. commoners feel, <laughs> you know? Right. How fascinating is that Very one like two sentence statement? Wow. I Yes. He yeah. sounds like a really great person. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I am like wishing that A Christmas Prince showed how the people of Aldovia reacted to yeah. Yeah. their engagement more. Because they don't really. They, They're all, mm-hmm. it, I think like we're just to assume that like everybody just kind of accepts it. Yeah. It's interesting. They were like... They react to King Richard being terrible at being a king, but we don't right. see their reaction to like Amber. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know, in uh <laughs> in The Prince and Me, uh-huh. which I feel like a Christmas prince like just not quite rips off, but like <laughs> heavily borrows yeah. a lot of elements from the Prince and Me. But there is that scene when Paige goes to Copenhagen. Yeah. Which, by the way, <laughs> Denmark does actually have a royal family. <laughs> and so the the Prince and Me just like creating this fake royal family for Denmark. I mean, I guess like that happens all the time like there's you know like in shows and stuff there's like a fake u.s president yeah that's fine but it's just kind of weird because like those are like real people that okay right anyway so there's a scene where page goes to like the military parade thing you know Uh uh and the i don't even remember the prince's name what is his name oh oh shoot sees her but and then like the crowd around her like notices and they're like oh it's Paige we love her yeah like that's okay anyway (laughs) yeah what is it with these actors getting cast in these movies that are utterly forgettable anyway go on well you know I mean to be the prince in a movie that has prince in the title yeah you don't need much You, you don't just a nice set of shoulders and a nice set of hair, head of hair. <laughs> a nice set of hair and a nice set of shoulders. And a nice perm. <laughs> and a nice little perm. That's all you need for success. Yeah. Don't move the muscles in your face at all. Never. No. No. It's. um. Yeah. yeah. These men are interesting. <laughs> anyway, yes. I would I would I would love to see a movie about the story of Empress Michiko because I yeah. think that was, she actually was the inspiration for the novel The Commoner by John oh, Schwartz. Yeah. She's been on my TBR for a while, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But I find her life fascinating. Absolutely. Um, so she and her husband, or at least while they were engaged, her fiance, um, they had a lot of public support. So yeah, it wasn't just the traditionalists who are like oh this is terrible like what is right what is the world coming to like most people really supported them okay um and a lot of it a lot of that support even came from like the political you know elite like the political yeah. leaders were yeah. even on board with this which honestly like i kind of find surprising right in a way absolutely um 
but uh <laughs> so she like i like i kind of alluded to she kind of became like a symbol of japan's modernization and democratization yeah um <laughs> um they so they had a traditional Shinto ceremony yeah. in April of 1959, um, even though um, uh, Michiko, she was actually Catholic, or I don't know, probably still is. Yeah. So I don't know if she had to convert or if sure. like, they were okay with her being Catholic. or Right. Right. But they had a Shinto um, wedding ceremony. Yeah. And their parade... Like there was like a, pr- a parade. It was a procession. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're it was parades. A parade. Come on. Um, after the wedding, that was um, so parts of it was televised. So this was the first time that a wedding was seen, you know, on television in Japan. Yeah. Um, let's see. It's estimated that like 500,000 people witnessed their per- their procession. Um, And the the television broadcast had about 15 million viewers. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we we know about like the recent weddings of, you know, the British royal family. Yeah. But we don't like for some reason we don't know about any other royal families. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Is it because we speak English? (laughs) Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe is it because our our news corporations are yeah not great at and then reporting? also anyway. <laughs> and I mean that's I mean there obviously there's a lot more to her life story than that, but that's yeah. you know kind of the part that I think is is relevant to this larger discussion of you know commoner royal romances. Yeah, um, but just like. A fun fact about her life that I really liked is that she was an English literature major. <gasps> Yay! Yeah, and I like that a lot. And she also went to Harvard and Oxford. That's so amazing. She's, yeah, she's clearly a very interesting person. And to your point, it's shameful that we don't know about her. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit like we need to tell stories of women who are strong and smart and more so than like if the, I I would wager that if this had been a, a gentleman we would know his name and we would mm. know what it was sure um, or if she was white honestly yeah yeah absolutely um <laughs> and then one more just a uh, real life royal romance story I wanted yeah. to mention as being especially relevant to our discussion of a Christmas print yeah um, is uh Crown Prince Philippe of Spain and his wife, uh, Letizia Rocosolano. Pretty. Rocosolano. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So they were married in 2004 and uh, Letizia was the first commoner to marry into the Spanish royal family. Yeah. um, And the first in line to become queen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, she was a... Not again. Why am I saying again? Anyway, she went. I'll take that out. So she, <laughs> so she was a TV journalist. Okay. <gasps> which mm-hmm, she's a journalist, <sighs> and she and Philippe, which is by the way the name of my car. I keep almost cracking up because that's the name of your car. <laughs> but my car but is not... named after the horse in Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Not Crown <laughs> Prince Philippe of Spain. 
unfortunately. <laughs> but they they met in 2002. Um, she was covering um, an oil slick um, on the shoreline, and he was there, like, doing, like, aid work, I guess. Oh, But okay. she was reporting on it. Um, yeah. And she had worked as a journalist. For, she's a very accomplished journalist and, like, actually kind of a celebrity in Spain. Yeah. Before they got together. So, again... Yeah. commoner but but right a, right like <laughs> yeah um she and also this is another interesting thing she had been married previously yeah um but they oh so she had been married previously and divorced which usually the catholic church would not be okay mm-hmm. with that especially mm-hmm. for a royal but because her first wedding was not in a church they were like it's okay <laughs> Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. But it's also kind of, I have to kind of just wonder if at a certain point they're like, I mean, can we really stop him from marrying mm-hmm. the person he wants to marry? We'll just, we'll just say that we're, we're letting it slide because <sighs> it wasn't technically whatever. Right. But I think they would like... Like 2004. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, very interesting rules about royals, especially when it comes to marriage. And of course, yeah. historically, uh-huh. the reason for that is that you had to have an heir, you know? Of course. And that yeah. wasn't always, it wasn't always guaranteed that your heir would survive and that, you know, all parties who needed to agree to your heir's legitimacy would agree to that. Yeah. So you had to have all of these that was a really convoluted sentence but <laughs> but basically you, there were a lot of people historically there were a lot of people who had to agree that yes this is the legitimate heir to the throne. Right. And so you could not leave any stone unturned. You had to yeah. you know cover all your bases and make sure yeah, I just use two different idioms. That's okay. Um, <laughs> and you had to like be very thorough in making sure. Okay, the um, like the you know our crown prince is going to marry the daughter of this duke, and this is her entire family history, mm-hmm. her entire family tree. So we know it's you know she's like legitimately you yeah. know a noble woman, right? Right. So that. You know, that their heir would definitely be, yeah, you know, legitimate. So, and you could learn a lot about like diseases that way too, mm-hmm. which wasn't information that you yeah. could just get, you know, family so medical that, history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Jenny Nicholson mentions uh-huh. in her video, which we recommend watching. Yes. Um, Jenny Nicholson is a YouTuber who does kind of video essays about different pop culture topics um so she's like the youtube version of us Um, she's delightful (laughs) she's great uh so she has a video called the grim dystopia of the christmas prince i feel that now that's the only lens i can see it makes perfect sense yeah but she it's she mentions in there that like the so the queen queen helena in A Christmas Prince, she says that, like, they didn't find out that she couldn't have children until, like, a month after the wedding. Uh-huh. Um, and, and Jenny Nicholson mentions, okay, but, like, for royals, like, 
it's the most important thing for them is making sure that they can have an heir. So they would know that like, yeah, checked that. You would absolutely have that information. (laughs) Right. But you know, that's kind of like, it's, it's kind of an old school notion now. Right. I think that we're, you know, the world is a lot more, a lot less rigid and a lot more like lax about things like that. Like there's no way like, 700 years ago that an adopted son could become king of England. Right. Well, I mean, like Roman uh, Caesars Uh would have like their adopted sons. Yeah. But yeah, 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 that that wouldn't happen. There would be a war if right if somebody tried to name their adopted child as their heir to the throne. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, what are we trying to say here? We're trying to, I think... Is royalty obsolete? Oh. Mm. <laughs> I... Th- yeah. Um, At this point, it's like royalty isn't... Royals aren't necessary right. to, like, the political function of right. a nation anymore. In most countries that still have royals, they're they're either, like kind of ceremonial yeah or if if they are actually involved in the lawmaking of the government it's not just them alone they have a sure parliament. no of course they have, yeah you know other governing bodies that yeah check them and that and that you know legislate so i don't know like it's, yeah it's a really fascinating question um i would like I would love to take a sociology class right? about royalty if that exists somewhere. That there's got to be a book or something about like how it's changed and what like what maybe um new kind of roles they're taking on now mm-hmm. now that they like have the time or don't have to worry about death eminently you know right. what I mean? like all of that um securing their line of succession <laughs> absolutely <laughs> being a woman and saying i would like to live somewhere yes. like i would please not like to have 10 children and die in and childbirth with terrible diseases with some terrible guy who's yeah and anyway <laughs> um yeah that's fascinating i wonder i bet you like someone's talked about it somewhere who's gone through it you know what i mean uh-huh. like i wonder i wonder if they would like allow like i don't know megan markle to talk about like maybe five years like maybe down we can the get line her on the podcast maybe and, megan if you're listening i'm megan mark <laughs> that's what she sounds like now she's gone full british <laughs> i must go <laughs> yeah, she was just here oh my gosh there she is Hi, Megan. Hi. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway. Um, yeah, but no, that's a fascinating point, though. I wish I wish I knew the answer. Yeah. I feel like maybe we should, we should research that. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's inevitable that we're going to discuss another, <laughs> another, sorry, my mic cord was messing up, another w- work that has, yeah. that, you know, royalty and the concept of royalty is relevant to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting to explore. But yeah, we can certainly discuss it in for me a Thermopolis <laughs> through an other fictional yes, kind of royalty. Right. So I mentioned the prince in me. Yeah. Because honestly, a Christmas prince, the first movie is 
has, like draws very clear story parallels yeah. to the prince and me. Certainly. Um, Which I took issue with as <laughs> now a fully grown woman. <laughs> the the onus on, oh God, she's hideous. According to my view, like this person is deciding that this other person is hideous and that must change before she is to be given any sort of power. Like, mm. gross. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't like it. Oh, you're talking about the Princess Diaries. And, okay. and you know, Wait, a little. Prince and me? A little bit. She kind of gets a makeover. But it's yeah. not, I feel like the makeover in the Prince and me is more about, like, a, a, a class thing rather uh-huh. than an appearance thing. Sure. Because they're not saying that there's anything wrong with sure. how she looks, but she just needs to look like royal it's n- it's yeah, not about it's like different. her attractiveness it's about like her like yeah presentation i guess i was definitely I thinking of mia thermopolis let oh, her yeah, have but her pretty curly hair yeah. damn it <laughs> yeah justice for mia <laughs> well and <laughs> that's a i have another tangent on that but we'll save that for later Ooh. um I was just thinking about other stereotypes of people who style women. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which are not. I look like a moose. But a very, very cute moose. Make all the boy moose go. You know, I was just waiting to, to say that quote. And that's like, it's interesting to me that that's endearing to me in the princess in. Oh, my gosh. Princess Diaries. Yes. But I there's that same kind of component to the Christmas Prince movies. Uh-huh. And I think it's so offensive. So like, <laughs> right. it's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's... I think more in the second Christmas Prince movie. I, you were with me when I yeah. saw that. Oh yes. And I like, cringe. They, like the whole scene with the official Royal portrait and they make her wear that necklace that looks like they bought it at Kohl's. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like seriously, the necklace that she wanted to wear looked much more traditional and royal yeah. than the necklace they wanted it's her to wear. It's almost like they needed a conflict. It was like, you know story. how like in 2007 there was that trend for like statement necklaces? Oh my That's goodness. That's what that necklace looked like. Yeah. They wanted her yeah. To wear. <laughs> I'm going to make a, I'm going to have a fun necklace so I'm I can gonna, have yeah. conversation at parties or. Yeah, that's like, I'm going to go to Macy's and get like a, <laughs> a costume jewelry necklace. Right. To wear oh my god! For my official royal portrait. Yikes. Uh, big yike there. Big ol' yikes. Um, <clears throat> so we've spoken a lot about like movies of fictional royalty stories and there's certainly other like. I feel like we haven't talked about The Princess Diaries enough. Like. It yeah. doesn't really. It really does not get enough attention. It really does. Also, The Princess Diaries two, the royal engagement, yeah. was written by Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, like, come on, can we talk about that can, for a second, please? That's amazing. Like, and just um, for such a for a movie that was so important to me when it came out, right? It really has kind of disappeared. Yeah. Julie oh, Andrews is in there. Julie Andrews is Raven Simone. The most, the most, yeah, <laughs> the most gorgeous man I had ever mm-hmm. seen. My favorite when Chris. I was twelve. Yeah, that's um, my favorite Chris. Isn't it, he is. He, his name is Chris. Yeah, 
The guy, the singer from like Rooney or something. Wait, what? Her the in the first one. Oh, in the first one, the yeah, most yeah, yeah, gorgeous yeah. boy but I had like ever playing seen. Playing the piano, uh-huh. and there's the M and M's, and he's and like, then, <laughs> then she gives him her I'm sorry pizza, and it, it has M and M's, and then she just forgets about him in the second movie. Where is that man? Send him th- hello. <laughs> I I digress, but it was even Simone is in the second movie. I love her. Same. I just remember her... Mattress surfing doesn't work, by the way. Uh-oh. It does if you're, like... If you're on, like, a twin and it's downstairs. Yeah, but see, I found... Maybe the mattress I used was too soft because I found oh. that it would just, like, mold to the stairs and it wouldn't actually slide down. Okay. I think I think our stairs were um, smaller, so a really important discussion. It's really important. And yeah. then we had like a banister. So there was like less of a gap. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was like the banister kind of like cushioned us in. And then there was like a, like in Friends when they do the pivot scene. We had like one of pivot. those. <laughs> we had like one of those landings. Um, pivot. Welcome to Mattress Sled Talk with Rhonda and Aaron. A brand new podcast. Hey. Yeah. But <laughs> so yeah, but Princess Diaries two gets into more of the political, uh huh, like uh-huh. state of the monarchy, right? In Genovia, which Genovia. I mean, Aldovia, Genovia, come on, yeah, come on, yeah, come freaking on. So <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not great. right. So you so we do see that like the whole concept of royal royalty and like modernization of royalty because what is like the law in Genovia is that like she can't be the queen unless she's married. Like I don't know of like any <laughs> European monarchy that would ever have that. Right. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Email us. Email us. At us, which I think is what you say, the youngins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have two new Twitter followers. <gasps> Hi, you guys. I don't know if they're listening. You are. You're here right now listening. I, I can see you. Hello. I'm outside. I'm outside your window. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. um, Yeah. Tell us if you know of... A European monarchy that at any time in history required its monarch to be married. Yeah. To be able to rule as monarch. Right. I just don't think that's a thing. I don't either. And And I I also don't think it's a thing that the monarch would put a very important (laughs) legal document concerning the line of succession would not tell anyone about it, but would just fold it up and put it into a Christmas ornament. Like not just, I don't think that tracks not just any Christmas ornament, an acorn, a large acorn. Well, it had to be large to fit the, to fit the damn legal document (laughs) that, and then a family from Bracebridge, Ohio, <laughs> would visit Aldovia and buy either the same acorn or a replica. Because everyone was like, we want a replica of the king's Christmas acorn. <laughs> she never opened it? Do no. you think that they're... Maybe they don't know that it can open. 
do you think that there's like documents? There's probably documents in there. <laughs> you guys check your Christmas ornaments. There might be documents there might in there. Be do-, do you think that's secretly how she got so many wreaths in a night oh. before Christmas is that she had some sort of like, oh. she inherited them through the acorn. Oh, there's a lot of wreaths. There are a lot of wreaths. Does the wow. acorn house the secret of the gingerbread man? Oh, who's life oh sized? <laughs> terrifying. Oh, terrifying. So and scary. Pillow pet. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. So if you <laughs> if you haven't uh, listened to our the night before Christmas commentary, this might be slightly confusing. But the night before Christmas is, is in the same universe as a Christmas prince. It has been established. Yeah. Because uh-huh. the the family. Yeah. In the night before Christmas has an acorn Christmas ornament that the the Vanessa Hudgens's sister, the girl from Snow Day, says that well, she says grandma and grandpa bought this in Aldovia, but she's talking to her daughter, so I'm assuming that she means her parents bought this ornament in Aldovia. So Aldovia is a real place. The acorn ornaments are apparently mass produced. Or maybe it's just like one, you know, one guy selling them on Etsy. Right. Or like, <laughs> yeah. And then also in A Christmas Prince 3, yeah. we have a flashback yeah. to the medieval times. Yeah. And it involves some kind of magic or curse. Right. So is right. the the witch who sent the knight... To Bracebridge, Ohio. Yeah. The somehow involved in the curse that's between Aldovia and Penglia. And that's that's what confuses me too, is that Aldovia and Penglia are decidedly not in this universe. So Oh, clearly. So in a night before Christmas, the night the night before Christmas? The, the night before... It, would, it wouldn't make sense with A. The no, night just, before Christmas. Just one of the many nights just before Christmas. The, there are so many of them, you guys. So, is that Bracebridge, Ohio, not one that we could visit, you and I? Is that... Because it's in a parallel universe. Because it's in yeah. a parallel universe. Yeah. Okay. And that's okay. why there were so many things about Bracebridge, Ohio that just seemed... Yeah. Strange. It's because it's not in our universe. It's not in our okay. That's why yeah. you only see the same three locations in Bracebridge, Ohio. This is a tiny, tiny yeah. town. Is that also why the lights on the soundstage appear to yes, turn off? It is because it was curfew. They Oh Yeah, so they're in an enclosed town. There's a you never see it, but there's a high wall enclosing the entire town of Bracebridge, oh Ohio, gosh. in this universe to keep out the zombies. Okay. Because okay. this is a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Right before America turns into Gilead. Yes. Well, what, by right turned, before, before it turns hundreds of years. Before it the Earth in Wally. Yes. And because then, it's also in the Pixar universe. And then after Wally comes Gilead. Yeah. So <clears throat> this is just the most factual information. It is. We have ever given you. I got it from Reddit. She got it from Reddit. So I, g- I wrote it on Reddit. Um, I was so- going to say I got my nonsense from my own weird little brain. Mm. 
So it's even less credible. All right. So what about like Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast? Where do you think they like? Because I know that those are like, when I think of princesses, I think of Cinderella as like the quintessential right. like princess. Uh-huh. Um, princess by marriage. Yeah. 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 Another commoner. Mm-hmm. And her little mices. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I think that that is, like, kind of the quintessential, like, commoner marries royal story. Right. Because, like, whenever you, you know, like, I'm sure at some point, like, Kate and William's story was called, like, oh, it's a Cinderella story. and like, uh, Oh, like, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not hard to, to make that comparison. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that is kind of like, I mean, Cinderella is, is a monomyth, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I'm getting real Joseph Campbell here. I love it. Cinderella is a monomyth. Yeah. I think for so, for so long, for so much of history, you know, women's livelihoods depended on our partly ability and partly just sheer luck of marrying well yeah you know like that's what pride and prejudice is that's all about absolutely is like your you know not just like your comfort in life but often your survival yeah. as a woman yeah depends on finding a man yeah who is rich enough to take care of you and then continuing the the line right and then giving him a son absolutely (laughs) to inherit everything yeah um yeah and so i mean what you know what man is has more resources to take care of you Mm -hmm. than a prince Mm -hmm. and so i think that's kind of been like ingrained in women's psyche right as like the highest thing you could aspire for is right. to marry a prince. Yeah. Like, it's a Cinderella story. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's where I think Cinderella yeah. comes in. Because there's like... I mean, that's such a... It's such a, a popular trope, too. Yeah. Like, even now, like, there are so many, like, Hallmark movies. Oh, I know. About, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> about, you know... Women marrying princes. There's so many like romance novels. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, yeah. About a woman, you know, women, you know. And I think that goes, that kind of goes back too to like this idea that like the royal lines knew more about their their health. And so Mm -hmm. um, there's all of that. They also had better access to healthcare. Absolutely. And so they were just healthier and stronger because they could get food and nutrition Uh and sleep well and whatever it was. And then that's, um, according to some findings in psychology, that's why we're attracted to the people that we're attracted to is that we can tell that if we created children with them, they would be um, healthy Mm -hmm. and they would be able to, and also like, there are all the look them up. They're fascinating. There are all these studies about like, there are facial features that you can have, which, um, designate whether or not like you and there's pheromone it's the pheromone that you emit and it's um other things about your physical appearance and why you're attracted to people that means if someone smells good to you Mm -hmm. that means you're gonna make healthy children you're like 
there's like a it's like literally chemistry Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. there's something about your biology that matches up yes yeah and you're gonna create healthier babies which just makes me feel betrayed by my own biology (laughs) a little bit and I think it definitely comes into play with the Cinderella story because clearly he's got the a prince would be healthier than He's, he would be healthier. Mm-hmm. And then also he would like, even going back to, you know, like, um, like paleolithic mm-hmm. like era, like you would want the person who has the most resources. Absolutely. Like that's just like human yeah. nature. Yeah. Right? And like social mentality, you and, and like, and specifically for your children. Yeah. Cause they're going to be able to take care of your children. Absolutely. Materially and financially. And then at the end of the day, your DNA gets passed on to like 50 years from now or whatever it is. There's also something to be said in like um, group mentality that unconsciously, subconsciously, you want to be higher up than other people. Uh Some argue, you can, people also argue against this, but there's also findings that say that like, yeah, you want to be like the powerful one Mm -hmm. and you're aligning yourself with uh, like it's because you want to have like the more power you have the more choices you have absolutely like that's where it comes yeah and the more protection and Mm -hmm. everything so yeah all sorts of survivalist instincts we are very smart we're hello i'm thank you for coming to our ted talk guys Um, i'm like really smart (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so yeah, like like we were saying, like we're fascinated by like real life stories and fictional stories right. of like quote unquote average women marrying yeah. into royalty. Yeah. But like I was talking about with, you know, a lot of like the real life examples that we have of that, the women in these relationships I would argue are not average women <laughs> they're like right. you know they're like famous women and or like already rich women yeah so yeah like i don't know what that says about <laughs> our psychology <laughs> yeah um yeah and also like i guess i guess that just kind of speaks to like how historically revered royalty has been that we can look at a woman like Meghan Markle who is super accomplished and you know like very you know intelligent and absolutely you know has done all of these things and is a celebrity in her own right and we can still say oh she got to marry a prince I know right yeah yeah I just think that's so interesting I do like (laughs) I really do too. And I think um, it's just fascinating. I think that the idea of like courtship and coupling is fascinating when you get on these levels where everyone else can have an opinion about it. Right. Like it's yeah. the most. Like it's in the tabloids, like the absolutely. guy in Japan was saying in 1959. Tabloid-esque. Yes. It's the most intimate thing in this whole wide world. And then everyone is and commenting everyone on knows. it. knows. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, psychologically, I got to wonder if that's something that you're intrigued by if you're mm-hmm. like and people it's always the idea of celebrity right and people always say no I love him and of course I'm not like negating that but I also wonder if that 
of course it was intriguing. You mm-hmm. know, like, of, of course, at least you knew that you could handle that on right. some level. You knew what you were, you were getting into. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. Like, and which I can't help but think feeds again into that psychology of I want to be at this status. And this mm-hmm. is a fat, even though I've already done so. It's also interesting to me, though, that these are ambitious women. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and that you know that, like, if, you know, if Harry and Meghan had never met, like, maybe she wouldn't be as famous as she is now. But, you know, she would still be doing, like, incredible right. work. And, like, her humanitarian yeah. work and her, phil- you know, philanthropic work, like, she would be doing that. <laughs> Which comes back to our whole, like, is this obsolete, you know? Right. Like, these women... Is this necessary? Yeah, these women, like, created themselves. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't need any sort of help. Fascinating. Yeah. Just, like, I don't think we're ever going to have, like, an answer. No. Just because humans are ever evolving. But I think I, we just have to marry princes and see for ourselves. That's so, what I was getting at. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys know any princes... Um, hey. <laughs> I already have a tiara. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I already have a blog. Just saying. Right. But like, you know, kind of like we have been saying before, like the idea of like, I think being so fascinated with not just with royalty, but with like, um, with like the romances and the, and the love lives and marriages of royalty yeah. goes back to that idea of like, procreation and like Mm -hmm. having an heir Mm -hmm. um and especially of course having like the firstborn son like right yeah like prince william (laughs) right and prince charles yeah oh which oh this so this is interesting i don't know if you heard Mm. but uh i think that i mean this is like a couple weeks ago i think um queen elizabeth the second over the next 18 months she's going to be like stepping down from most of her royal duties oh and prince charles is going to be taking over so we're gonna have a prince regent again you guys oh like wow like jane austen's time wow yeah i hadn't heard that yeah that's fascinating yeah, that's really, really interesting yeah so like we're gonna have a regency again uh-huh we're gonna have the 20s again it's gonna be great we're gonna have the <laughs> yes <laughs> Flapper dresses. So, yeah. So I think that when we, when Prince Charles's regency starts, we should bring back the empire line dresses. Yeah. And fans. Absolutely. And feathers in our hair. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Oh, this is my favorite part of falling in love. (laughs) Oh, yeah. In, In. In. You all should watch this. I think so we were talking a lot about the importance of position in society and what it means when you're already ambitious and already able to attract um, other people to you either biologically through health in the old days or and now let's be honest but what happens when in that um in that time and place, like what happens when you're not a he- necessarily healthy or you're not mm-hmm. necessarily like you're a witch basically, or like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm talking. So that was my bad, like yeah, segue. I mean, there have been like wars over right. Lines of succession. Right. Like 
many times throughout history. Yeah. Like, that's mostly what wars have been fought over. And, <laughs> like, that's so fascinating to me in A Christmas Prince 3 when they bring in the treaty and, like, the um, kind of the sorcery aspect of it all. I, like, I wasn't expecting that at all. Right, because, like, up until... Like, the first and second movies have no trace of, like, fantastical elements at all. No. The first one has every single melodramatic thing that could Mm -hmm. ever happen. It has wolves. It has many wolves. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. And then, oh, gosh, that scene scared me so much when I was a little kid. (laughs) Um, And then the second one is just kind of ridiculous. And then the third one goes full, like, treaty, sorcerer... Very, um, I was researching like all of the grim fairy tales that have, have kind of women who are having to give up their firstborn children in order. Um, like there is a lot of importance placed on like firstborn children in general, but firstborn sons, especially. Absolutely. And again, that goes back to the whole, like having an heir and having a yeah. successor thing. Like the story of Rumpelstiltskin came to mind because it's a it's a way shorter story than I realized. Um and basically the original Grimm version this guy says his to the king, "My daughter can spin gold." The king says, "Yeah, sure, I bet she can. She can come live with me." And then this girl has to um, turn straw into gold or else she's going to get killed. Right. Which I think is um, obviously representative of I will be able to produce a healthy child. Uh-huh. Um, or it could also be like a representative, like a representation of capitalism of like, yes, <laughs> yeah, you are a worker and you will produce capital for Absolutely. your ruling class. Yeah. And in- Which, like, the story, I mean, the, I guess, like, capitalism was in its infancy around the time that the story was popularized, but... Right. It's a modern metaphor. Yeah, but I really like it, though. Um, and then in the um, the grim telling, um, a man steps in named Rumpelstiltskin, who... Well, is he a man, though? Yeah, who knows? He's kind of the the original story is so bare boned. You really don't get any like description. Yeah, Yeah, which kind of adds to the magic in it. But um, he steps in and turns the straw into gold in exchange for for, on the first night he does it for her necklace. Mm -hmm. Um, and did she get it at Kohl's? She did. The second night, she wanted to wear it in her royal portrait. She, she really, really wanted to, and no one was going to let her. And then so she blogged about it. She she blogged about it, and then her dreams came true, yeah. obviously. And the second night, she the the man returns, and he turns the straw into gold, and she gives him her ring. And then the third night, this escalates. <laughs> the third night, she gives him her firstborn child. Right. Right. So like. She ran out of jewelry, she, so she was like, well, what, what else can I, I give him? I guess I'll give him my kid. I, I guess I'm going to give him my child. <laughs> and then, without any courtship from the king, which I also think is really fascinating, she just, in a year's time, is married to him. And we don't yeah. get any of that at all, because cool. of it's a sign of the times. And yeah. then... um 
the story goes from there. But I just thought that um, that was kind of a really interesting parallel with like what we see with Amber and her father. And like Mm, her father doesn't cause the courtship, but I still think that like there's that relationship between rich and poor in the Mm -hmm. first movie. Um, And I was just like reading this story last night thinking um, just how bonkers like giving up your child. I don't know. Yeah. Like that's what like, (laughs) wow. Why is that what you would leap to? Yeah. Like after like necklace ring, firstborn child. Child. Like, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's a very specific through line that we also see in Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. um, with Aurora when um, Maleficent the, or the 13th fairy is not invited to a party. And so it's like hardcore relates. I, I know. I mean, I know. When just invite I, her. Yeah. Like, when have I ever been to a party? Come on. Right. Um, <laughs> which also has to do with um, societal place and everything. Um, and so because Maleficent does not get invited to the party, she curses, again, the firstborn child. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that, like, both of those grim fairy tales, having that through line in them, um, it then becomes really interesting to me when Princess Emily says, guys, <laughs> they cursed your firstborn child. Uh-huh. I was like, they like, went oh, full grim. Full fairy tale here. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> And yeah, it was just, I don't want to say it felt like clutching its, like the, the others were clutching its straws, right. but it They're felt. They're like, oh, we're running out of story here. Like, we can't just yeah. have a story about like how, like they're about to have a baby. Like we got right. we got to throw a curse in there. Right. I need more scenes with, um. Oh my god, Ben Lamb looking through the um oh, the, like the like, crib manual. The crib like that's a thousand like, pager. It's like a song of ice and fire. <laughs> like. Yes. And the hypnotherapy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um Oh, and then like the stress balls and suddenly it's not painful that she's in labor. Right. No one cares that she's in labor. Um Yeah. Gosh, I also in the third movie, I needed more of the like New York City Brooklyn family trope oh gosh. Uh, that made the first two movies for me. I'm in a level with everyone. I am the child of a Brooklyn father. <laughs> so these stories mean a lot to me. And when I saw Rudy's Diner, oh my I got so excited. <laughs> um, and it's just like, it's a fascinating, like, it follows the hero's journey, but it does so in a specifically New York City way, which uh-huh. I think is, like, fascinating. Um, and it just has all sorts of um, New York City tropes, like, the there's always a diner. Uh-huh. <laughs> the parents scrimped and saved and they made this little diner so that you kid can go off into the world and do the thing and that thing that the kid is doing is usually something that the the parents could not do Uh um while they owned the diner it's always in the arts it's always um which makes a lot of sense because new york is you know home to you know broadway and new york and the new york times and just all sorts of opportunities to kind of fulfill these like Art dreams. Yeah. yeah. It goes more 
it goes past like making a, a living wage <laughs> into like like a being somebody. Yeah, totally, yeah. which is just the American dream and all uh-huh. of that. Um <laughs> and then my other just my last bit of this is just that there's always the the boss who's oh, yes. like I don't got time for your nonsense kid. <laughs> Frankly, I got to go get me coffee. She's so much like a 1940s like <laughs> newspaper guy named smitty exactly (laughs) it's she's like she's like a discount meryl streep right my favorite movie um devil wears prada yes or like who's the who's the editor at the daily planet yes that yeah okay oh you skipped over oh oh no i'm sorry Aaron, I was done with my. Oh, this is an important point. It is a really important point. So, it it has to be said, <laughs> Amber in the first film says that she has a Volvo, <laughs> but no New Yorker who lives in Manhattan, but would own a Volvo. Honestly, do they ever actually say? That it's New York. <gasps> Plot twist. Do they ever say that? Plot twist. Because <laughs> remember, it's not. This is a parallel universe. And even if it were, it would be the same as Bracebridge, Ohio. Right. So it could be New Manhattansburg. Sure. Uh huh. So we don't know. We, we, don't, we know. don't know. But it is interesting that she says she has a Volvo as uh-huh. if that somehow makes her a normal person. <laughs> right, right. Like, <laughs> because as we all know, I have to refer to Twilight every 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And I was about to remind you. I have a timer. <laughs> Thank you. So in the Twilight books, Bella makes a big deal about Edward having a Volvo. Wow. Because it makes him like super cool or it's a sign of his wealth or something. Uh-huh. So we're going to post a photo of the Volvo, of the Volvo that Edward Cullen actually has. Right. In Twilight. Because you guys, it's a silver sedan. <laughs> it looks and no, this this is actually a hatchback, but yeah. it looks like quite similar to my car, which is a Kia Rio. Right. <laughs> like if you're just looking at yeah <laughs> yeah like if you're not looking at the you know uh-huh the logo it looks like a car it's just, so and it's also fascinating to me that in gilmore girls when christopher is said to have grown up <laughs> he also has a volvo, has a volvo. what is it with v- volvo with all those are they really good a Volvo is whatever you want it to be. A Volvo can be a sign that you're a normal person. A Volvo can be a sign that you're a hip, rich, trendy person. A Volvo can be a sign that you're an adult. A Volvo. A Volvo is whatever you need it to be. A Volvo. If you're a screenwriter. If you're a screenwriter. <laughs> yes. Or Stephanie Meyer. Um, a Volvo is a sign that you have evolved. Ooh. Oh. Thank you. You're welcome, America. That was free. You guys. That was that was this is free. Free. This is guys. Let's <laughs> take a moment. This this you're getting this wisdom for, for free. It's for free. <laughs> Rebel Wilson. It bright's me. 
possibly so, my favorite movie character. She's ever. like, like it's a Mexican drinking worm. <laughs> Offensive, terrible. Should I, should I go out on the street and prostitute myself? <laughs> like, hey, fellas. <laughs> I like that she would just say, hey, fellas. cool (laughs) so i just have to note um just the character of princess emily is one of my favorite characters in this entire movie franchise yeah she's like one of those like those kids that you know as a teacher who like first impressions you're like oh i'm not gonna like oh my gosh yeah and then they grow on you yeah and you're like oh my gosh you're my favorite you're the best kid (laughs) absolutely she's like that I love what they did with her character because when we meet her, I was like cringing in my seat because she literally goes to a window while sad music plays and she goes, it's because I have spina bifida. (laughs) And then there's like sad music, which is a huge problem because oftentimes characters who experience things like spina bifida... um, that's their one that's point. Their character. That's the entire yeah. character. That's the like moral compass of the entire show is how characters relate to that character mm-hmm. um, and how nice they are to that person only because they're perceived as like less than or all of these awful stereotypes um, and about ableism and everything. But the, a Christmas prince doesn't do that at all. Um, Princess Emily from that point forward becomes one of the strongest characters. She um, takes charge of her own life. She has a lot of self-efficacy. She's one of the smartest people in the castle, mm-hmm. I think. And most She's eloquent. the only one who can hack into the mainframe. Frankly, that's <laughs> impressive. And I almost feel like they were given feedback on that because um, spina bifida and everything that is perceived as negative about it doesn't come up again. And mm-hmm. so it's like, this is a Netflix special. Like, right. leave that to people who know how to write that. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I was really excited about that. And then I'm off my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> but then you do, like, you do still see her using her, like, adaptive equipment. Absolutely. But, yeah, it's just never brought up again. It's just like, this is, you This know, is what she does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> there's I, a lot going on in these movies. There's so many favorite parts, but not mm-hmm. because they're well done. Right. <laughs> because you kind of have to do a double take. Uh-huh. What did that character just say? Right. What is this plot doing? <laughs> is there even a plot? Is there... Does anything there... happen? What? At one point in the second movie, a protester holds up a sign that just says, why? <laughs> <laughs> With... <laughs> and perhaps that protester is a reflection of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I took a screenshot. I'm going to post it later to our Instagram. Oh, good. Um, what were some of your favorite ridiculous moments <laughs> within these films? Well, I think I've probably mentioned a few already. Yeah. The fact that 
like the royal housekeeper wants Amber to wear a necklace that they bought at Kohl's for the royal portrait. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Totally. Um, yeah, so many. Just so many. I do kind of like... Well, and this isn't even like... I'm not even remembering a shot from the movie. I'm just remembering like a thumbnail. But I think the thumbnail was taken from a shot from the movie. Uh-huh. But it's the thumbnail where... And I think it was on a poster maybe as well. Where it's just Amber on her own. But she's wearing the dress that she wears to the ball at the end of the first movie. Yeah. And the way that she's posed and the way that they've like framed her reminds me of Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday. Oh, I could see that. Which yeah. is another movie about a princess. Yeah. I love that that's an unironic yeah. favorite moment. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like how Karen Schuler didn't like to write negatively. Mm-hmm. You just brought some positivity <laughs> to my otherwise ne- negative corner. <laughs> When all I could think about was how furious I became when I saw the white wedding converse. Oh. The converse high tops that were white. Were they also like sparkly? Oh my gosh. I love converse. I wore several pairs. Not for a wedding. Right. Dang it. Right. I'm getting mad. And I mean, if you're going to wear them for your wedding, like pick normal ones. Right. Just wear like isn't the like, point wear- <laughs> the point would be that you're You're just wearing your normal comfy shoes. Because you're too cool. Right. But if they're like sequined in white and grow like then what are you even what what? Huh? Yeah. Well <laughs> Yeah. I just I also I have to I think my favorite moment as a through line of the films. Right. Is when, um, <laughs> whenever. I think we can all agree on this. <laughs> whenever we see Amber's blog. Her blog online. Her, her blog online. Yeah. That is her As, full career. I would just like to point out that twice in the first movie, her blog is referred to as her blog online. <laughs> You're like, Amber, I read your blog online. I read your blog. Like, that's where blogs are. That's where we're not printing them out. That is where blogs are. They are online. We're not, like, putting them in newspaper. There are not blog racks. They're... I... The the um The punctuation in Amber's blog online... also quite... Incredible. Yes. Well, these are, like, her, uh, her official journalism notes also have like she's an amazing journalist she's an amazing amazing (laughs) journalist so much so that she becomes like they they use that to fuel the fire that she would be a good queen and make good decisions right because she is so darn smart and she has a blog online and she has a blog online (laughs) that she believes that she can keep when she becomes a member of the royal family Uh and then she can just tell all their secrets to everybody yeah all day long totally with like five question marks in mm-hmm. a row at least yeah yeah gotta gotta have a bunch of question marks 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. there are obviously um we talked about the night before Christmas being Quite part of the Netflix holiday movie universe. Yes. There's also the pres- the the princess. Switch. I just tried to combine princess and Christmas, mm-hmm. and then my brain got confused. Princess. The princess switch, <laughs> where there are many Vanessa Hutchins. Yeah, so two in the princess switch, but the princess switch. This is an interesting one because if you in the third A Christmas Prince, uh-huh. when they show the map, yeah. Of, you know, Aldovia is here and Penglia is here. Belgravia is also on that map. And Belgravia is the country that has the prince that Vanessa, one of the Vanessa Hudgenses marries in the Princess Switch. Interesting. Very interesting. And they also, um, the queen from Penglia also mentioned something about how a commoner married into the royal family of Belgravia. So, here's the whole thing, guys. A Christmas Prince Uh is a movie that was shown on a TV (laughs) in Belgravia. Yes. And was watched by Vanessa Hudgens. Yes. But then, Vanessa Hudgens married the Prince of Belgravia, who is a neighboring nation to Aldovia. Right. So... My question is, uh-huh. is A Christmas Prince a documentary <laughs> in <laughs> Belgravia? I think it must be, right? Right. But then here's another weird thing, because The Night Before Christmas yeah. is also in the same universe well, that's... as all of these movies. So there is a third Vanessa Hudgens doppelganger living in, <laughs> in Bracebridge, Ohio. and what's going to happen if she so at some point like her parents went to aldovia right to get the acorn right and they got the acorn (laughs) we need to like make a a family tree or something i feel like that flow chart I'm going to be old and say that internet photo where <laughs> someone explains something confusing and there's that, like, the girl looks confused oh, yeah, and there's yeah. just, and like, the, like math the math behind equations. her. That's how I feel right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, there, so there is going to be a Princess Switch 2. Yes. And there are going to be three Vanessa Hudgenses in it. So, so I wonder if the third... Vanessa Hudgens is going to be the one from Bracebridge, Ohio in The Night Before Christmas. Or if they're going to introduce yet a fourth character who looks exactly like Vanessa Hudgens into this universe. That is all connected. Or are they? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's Orphan Black. (gasps) Or maybe it's like Sister Sister. Oh. Where they don't. knew how much I They don't know. Mm. But they well there is like so the two Vanessa Hudgenses in the Princess Switch they do like reference at some point that <laughs> where are you laughing at me this, this is my serious. favorite thing we've Aaron, ever talked this about this is serious sorry so <laughs> please try to focus I, so, <laughs> I will so um the um 
the woman who's like her um the the duchess vanessa hudgens who's the woman who's like her (laughs) her like chief of staff or something i guess Uh so she talks about how the their that family like a few generations back had a brother or cousin or something who moved to the united states and that's meant to imply that they are related somehow they're you know like very distant cousins oh my gosh yeah I like, I love this so much. So maybe yeah. the Vanessa Hudgens in Bracebridge, Ohio is also related to them somehow distantly. Right. Do you think all of this would be documented in that acorn if they were to open Possibly. it? Possibly. They need to open it. Yeah. Maybe that's the one that maybe that's... Um, the acorn that their that their parents got in Aldovia and brought back. Okay. To Ohio. Maybe it's all in there. And it'll tell them, hey. Hey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you guys, I think the 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 real point for all of this is how have you not seen these movies? Yeah. Watch them. Why do you not have an encyclopedic knowledge of yeah. this universe? Watch them. Love them. It has infinity stones. Yeah, it does. And Thanos gauntlets. <laughs> and gigantic gingerbread. There are truly of, frightening. There are, of course, several BuzzFeed quizzes about which character you would be. Mm. We took one. Yes. Rhonda, which it character? It was which Vanessa Hudgens are you? <laughs> yes, exactly. It had nothing to do with Christmas Prince. We just love Vanessa Hudgens. Who who were you in Christmas Prince? I was Princess Emily. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Well. <laughs> Your favorite. Well. <laughs> I was Prince Richard. Which... I like to think that I'm the Prince Richard at the very beginning of the movies where he's all (laughs) like disheveled (laughs) and has like Father Christmas beard a little bit. Uh Um, So I am apparently just a blank slate of a person. Mm, Sure. Uh, Yeah. You can't emote with your facial expressions. No. No. I cannot. You just like smiling because it contorts the face. Yeah. Frankly. I see that. Yeah. I love that for you. I have never smiled. No. No. So I think this was really a holiday present. We learned a lot. We learned a lot. We grew. We grew. We changed. And we, then. And then changed back. Yeah. And then. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> And then. <laughs> I I want to say have a safe and happy holiday to Indeed. everyone. We will see you in 2020. Indeed. And, and we have, we it's, oh, we have a thing that's like six weeks away now. Yeah. 
we have our yeah our um, that really yeah. oh my gosh I remember when that felt like such a long time from uh-huh. now um, our live show at Nerd Fair Con yay is coming up um get your tickets get your tickets come see us come see us we're gonna um be celebrating some other strong women indeed more um, royalty more royalty we can't get enough if there's a prize for rotten judgment <laughs> um and then you know we also have like we we know what our official like our you know official episode for january is we do and I think if you follow us on Instagram, you already know you, as well. You already, but if you don't, Rhonda, what are we doing? Well, um, we're going to talk about the Christmas Prince again. Yes, and we're, we're going to redo all of this. We're going to completely redo this. Um, I almost like, I almost like can't even talk about it at this point because. Uh-huh. We're so close uh-huh. to the end of yeah. this saga. Right. And right. I am like getting emotional right now. Yeah. <laughs> it has another princess in it. Yeah, who becomes a general. Which is an amazing like, what an direction. Arc. What a journey. <sighs> it has space wizards. Space wizards. It has Space Battles. Space Battles. It has Space Vanessa Ann Hudgens. No. I wish. Right? Why isn't she? (laughs) Why isn't she in there? Uh, Let me write to J.J. Abrams. If you haven't caught on, friends, we're talking about Star Wars. Indeed. And the end of... Yeah. So, you know, if you're an OG listener, you might be thinking, wait, you guys already talked about Star Wars. But you know what? I feel like there's a lot that we left out. I got nervous on that one because the universe is so vast it that is. like you can't really cover it. Yeah. So I got really nichey, and I mm, okay. Niche. <laughs> oh heck! I did not get Friedrich Nietzsche. I did not. I mean, perhaps there's themes in there. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> just uh, um, yeah. Star Wars. So we are revisiting Star Wars. Yes. Um, we will probably, I would like, I mean, I'm planning to like at least kind of touch on like content that we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. yeah. But then we're going to like spring off of that and, and explore that it. deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to talk about um, a couple new things as well. Yeah. In light of episode nine which as we're recording this we're like less than a week away from the release by the time i think by the time this episode by the time you're hearing this episode it will have been released already so right right yeah right just you know it's upon us yeah i feel like with the saga ending we it's also just the perfect time to revisit it absolutely absolutely so we are so yeah that will be I can't believe January. Be January. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we ha- oh, we have special guests for that episode. So that'll be exciting. We do. So it'll be fun. So, yeah. Um, that'll be great. Thank you very much for spending the time. Um if you're listening to this on a flight or a car ride or a train ride, 
or a, or a hot air balloon or a hot right. air balloon. It's probably I, hard to hear. Yeah, you know. sorry. Um, I hope you get to where you're going safely and enjoy your time with your family or by yourself or however you celebrate or your friend miss. Yeah, or your found family or your quiet night at home. Whatever works for yeah. you. Um, order a pizza. Order a pizza. Do self care. Pull a Kevin McAllister. Yeah, and get a cheese pizza. Mm. I just watched Home Alone today, so. And we just ate, and I'm like, mm. more food, hunger, yummy. All right, friends. <laughs> well, we're so appreciative of everyone hanging out this past year um, of 2019, and we look forward to seeing you in 2020. Indeed. Okay. Well, <laughs> good night, everyone. Why didn't you tell me? That's my favorite line. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye. Goodbye. Okay,